excited to preach the Word of God. Grab your Bible there, would you, and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. Do you sense the Spirit of God in the room? Yeah. Philippians. Philippians. If you're in Chronicles, you are not even close. Philippians in the New Testament. So the New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels. Acts is really the story of the early church. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. I paid attention in Bible college. And then Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. He wrote the church uh, at Colossae. That's why it's called the book of Colossians. And uh, Philippians chapter 1 is going to be our text today. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV translation. Um, And I would be honored if you would stand to your feet for the reading of the Word of God. Some of you have phones. That's cool. Some of you have iPads. You're spoiled. But I got, I'm old school. I'm an OG. I just like, I like a Bible. I like writing in my Bible. I like, I love the sound of the pages turning in my Bible and and uh, I'm fired up about this sermon. I lost, my, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever done this. I lost my voice in the first service. Just like ranting and screaming. And, ah, ah, so I got I to gotta settle down. Paul says in verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters. Do we have any brothers and sisters in the house? He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Let me remind you, he's writing in prison. All the things that happened to me. Has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am. Knowing that I am. Is it okay if I just make a comment about that phrase there? Come on, just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm put here. I'm put here. Paul says, I'm put here. He's in prison. He says, I'm put here. How many know that you have a lot of boldness and confidence when you understand that you are put here? Number one, you're put here on the earth to serve the purposes of God. You're, check out, you're not here by accident. I don't care what you were learned, what you were taught in your biology class in junior high or in high school. You did not come from a amoeba. God destined that you would be on this earth in 2021. He put you here. Come on, he put you on your job. He put you at the school that he wanted you to be in. He put you in your neighborhood. And so when you understand that, I got to settle down. I'm just in my intro right now. But when you understand that you've been put here, like Esther said, for such a time as this, you know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God knew the times and the seasons that I would live on the earth. He could have chose the 10th century, the 5th century. He could have chose the 17th century, but he chose 2021 that I would be pastoring a church, having been put here from the Holy Spirit. And now that I understand that I'm put here, I'm not intimidated. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, be fearful or afraid or just chill out or relax. No, I'm confident. I'm not cocky, but I'm confident because God put me here in this city to make a difference for him. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I've been put here. I've been put here. I've been put here, placed here. And he's in prison, but he's like, I'm put here by God. So powerful. That's all I got. I'm out of here. Just. He says, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17, the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in change. But what does it matter? I got to come back to them. Like, we get so bent out of shape about the stupidest things. I lost, I can't believe it, I lost like three Instagram followers. 
What does it matter? Paul's like, I don't, it doesn't matter if people are preaching good motives or bad motives. What does it matter? The important thing is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I'll continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit Jesus, of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, that's the second time he says what has happened to me, will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. This is a verse you should put on a coffee cup that you get at Christmas time. It's like top 10 verses in all the Bible here. Paul says, hey, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So, hey, you gonna give me a prison sentence? You want to put me away for 30 years, lock me up, solitary confinement? You want to cut my head off? It's all good. It's all good. Someone say, it's all good. Because to live is Christ. So if I'm going to be here another year, I'm going to live for Jesus. Another five years, I'm going to live for Jesus. 20 years, live for you. You're going to cut my head off? It's good. Die is gain. It's better. I'm going to be with him face to face. So why don't you, here's my message right here. Here it is. The title of the message is, it's a win-win. Come on, let's say it, say it out loud, would you? It's a, what is it? Type that in the chat if you're watching. It's a win-win. Take me out, snuff me out, count me out. It's all good. I'm going to heaven. It's all good. I'm in a win-win situation. If you leave me here on the earth, I'm just going to glorify God. I'm going to witness. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek his face. And, and oh, you're going to make me suffer? That's okay. Paul said, hey, you're going to let me live here? Okay, cool. No, no, we're going to let you live, but we're going to make you suffer. That's cool too. Because I reckon the sufferings of this present life can't be compared to the glory that shall be revealed when I get to heaven. So you're going to leave me on the earth? Cool. It's a win-win because I'm going to live for Christ. You're going to make me suffer? That's even awesome because I'm going to give glory to Christ. And I'll forget it. Forget it, Paul. We're going to kill you. Cool. To die is gain. It's a win-win situation. It's a win-win. Lord, thank you for the word of God, the power of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. Bless the reading, the preaching, and the application of your word, I pray. In the powerful, matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And everybody that loved the Lord said... Amen. You may be seated there. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's get started. I got some work to do. Hey, I want to ask, uh, this is a safe place. This is a safe place. You know, do you know, I got to say this. We're, do you know we're family? We are family. We're going to heaven. We're on the same team. We're, we're the family of God. You might not be blood related to the person next to you or the person down the aisle, but we're the family of God. And he says, there's, in the family of God, there's neither Greek nor Jew nor black or white or Hispanic or Latino. There's no male or female. We're all one in the body of Christ. We're, we're family. So this is a safe place to be honest. I, I don't want to go to a church. I don't want to pastor a church where we put on like the Christian facade, like we never have any problems. And, and praise the Lord. Dios le bendiga. Hallelujah. How you doing? God bless you, brother. How you doing? Oh, just awesome. No, you're not. You had a horrible week. You got in a fight with your family on the way to the church. Let's just be honest. So this is a safe place, okay? Check it out. It's okay not to be okay. Does that help you out? It's okay to not be okay. So this is a safe place. I, I want to know with your hand lifted, how many of you would say in the last 12 to 18 months, you have gone through something very difficult? I got my hand up. Okay, look around. That's like 70% of the room. Okay, put your hands down. Now, when I say very difficult, I'm not saying I got in a flat on the way to the office and, oh, I got a flat tire. That's not something very difficult. That's, I'm gonna, I can call an Uber or AAA to help me out. That's not major, okay? It's not like, well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in sixth grade and I, I, I finally met this boy and he's so cute. And we, 
Let me put on my sixth grade girl voice. Um, I, I just met this guy on the playground and he's so cute and stuff. And I thought he was the one. We were dating for like four and a half weeks and he broke up with me. That's not a difficult situation, okay? We have a, a gal in our church that works at a restaurant and um, she was working at, a, uh, has several chains to it. She was working at the restaurant chain in, the, in Westlake Village. And she's like, man, it's different than like Camry or Ventura. I'm like, yeah, I, I grew up there and people are, and uh, she's all, I hear some of the craziest things. And, uh, and uh, she said, one of her employees, like 16-year-old, came, came in. He was just in a bad mood. She said, what's going on? He's like, I'm just in a bad mood. And said, well, why were you in such a bad mood? It's just a terrible day. Why is it a terrible day? So like, I'm just in a bad, I can't believe what my parents did. He's like, she's like, what did your parents do? He's like, she, they bought me the wrong color Tesla. <laughs> that doesn't constitute a bad day a bad month, a bad year, or a bad lifetime because you got the wrong color Tesla. I'm talking, about a ba- I'm talking about like this year you got COVID or you got cancer, you got a bad diagnosis, you got a divorce, you lost your job after 35 years, you had someone die in your family. That was, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. But you know, even in those difficult times because Paul's writing in prison, he's been in prison for four years and he's waiting news. He's waiting news to see what are his next steps. Is he gonna get out or is he gonna stay in? In other words, he's lost all control. He doesn't know his future. Do you feel like that at times? I felt like that the last year. Like, it just seems like life is out of control. I don't even know what to do and how to lead a church through this crisis. Do we have any teenagers in the room? Teenagers. Come on, where's my teenagers at? Come on, thank God for teenagers that are still coming to church on Sunday morning. All the adults, put your hands together. So I want to just talk to the teenagers. Where are you at? Make some noise. We'll just let the parents listen in for a little bit. Just you and I, just you and I. I here's what I hated about being a teenager. I'm talking 13, 14, 15. I hated the fact that I couldn't make any decisions for my life. Like your parents were like totally in control of everything. And my dad would be like, this is who you can hang out with. You can't hang out with them. And we, how many had a curfew? I had a curfew. My dad said, hey, if you are not in the house when the lights come on the street, you are going to get jacked up. And, and, and Friday night, I might be able to go to the football game, but I, ha- I had a curfew. How many have curfews, right? And I just felt like as a teenager, I was out of control. And you go to school, right? You don't even get to choose what classes you take. They choose what classes you take and who your teachers are. Hey, can I be in with my friend? No, you can't be in with your friend. I'm telling you what, and I hated that. You had to depend on everybody for a ride. I go to, like, you, go, you want to go to the, the mall or something with your friends and, okay, okay, Stevie, um, just call me when you're ready to get picked up. I hated that. I had to walk to school. Huh? I know. In the snow and what? No, not in the snow. Right? I just hated that. You had to walk. And, and you had to depend on people for rides. Sometimes after basketball practice, I'd beg someone, hey, is there any way you could drop me off? And I just hated to be out of control. And that's what I hated about being a teenager. And here's what's cool. Paul is in prison and he's out of control. He doesn't know, is he going to get out? Is it another month or another year or another decade? Does he going to have solitary confinement? He's out of control, but he teaches us three powerful principles in this passage that I want to share with you only if you'll allow me. Okay, write these down. Number one, I want you to think about if, you're, if you've gone through a difficult situation and 70% of the people, at least in the room, I don't know about online, raised their hand in the last year, or you feel like your life is out of control, Paul is a great example. So here's three things I want you to write down. Number one, 
Whatever you have gone through in the last 12 months, you need to rethink your situation. You need to rethink your circumstances. Someone say rethink. Type it in the chat there, rethink, rethink. I got to rethink it because I've had a hard 12 months. I've had a hard 18 months and but maybe God's been using the last 12 months. Maybe God's been using the difficulty and the setbacks and the circumstances and the, the comments and the opinions of people. Maybe God's using that to advance his purposes in my life. So, so Paul is the apostle. He's like the pastor of the church at Philippi. He gets thrown into prison. And I wonder, listen, I wonder if the church got together when he was in prison and they started whispering. I don't know. I mean, maybe Paul, maybe he's, maybe he's he just got to chill out a little bit. I mean, he was already in prison one time. And I think he's making a bad decision because every time he gets out, he keeps preaching. And they keep telling him, if you don't shut up about Jesus, we're going to throw you back in. Maybe, maybe the smart thing that Pastor Paul should probably do is like, just like shut up and, and stop preaching and stop being so bold and stop teaching the gospel and stop baptizing people. And I don't know, why would you want to spend the last couple of years of your life? I mean, they were probably talking a little bit. And I think he picked up on that because in verse 12, notice what he says again. He says this. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 2, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to what? Advance the gospel. Advance the gospel. So could it be that what you've walked through the last 12 months, 18 months, two years of your life, God is using that difficult situation to advance his purposes in your life? I want to teach you a couple things about this. The reason why I need to rethink it, because again, this has been the hardest year and a half of my life. Bar none, not even close. I used to go to conferences with all these pastors and one by one go around, how you doing, man? I'm just really depressed. I lost all these people, stabbed, da, da, da. I'd just be sitting there like, suck it up, man. That's so, like ministry is awesome. It's so, and then the last two years, I'm like, oh, that's what, oh, that's what they mean. And it's been hard. But Steve, I, you need to stop and think and rethink that all that you went through, that maybe God was allowing you to go through those things because he wanted you to get to your destiny. He wanted to be bear character and maturity in your life. And so you had to go through it. Paul said, it had to happen. And I have to rethink all the negative things in my life because God was building character in my life. Can I get an amen in the house? Amen in the house. I gotta be careful of these two things though. Number one, resentment. You can't be resentful at the people that weren't there for you. You can't get resentful at the people that you thought would support you, but they didn't support you. Resentment will kill you. That's why, check this out, you got to be very careful to look through on your phone all the photos in your album because when you get back to like 2017, the people that were there for you in 2017, the people that loved you in 2019, now you look at their picture in 2021, like I hate them now. <laughs> I thought they would have never left me. I thought they would have always been for me. I thought they would have, huh? And now you're looking at those same people and if you're not careful, you get resentful. Not only that, here's the second thing. The second caution to the people of God listening to this message is we can't get regretful. See, resentment is external. Regret, regret's even worse. It's, it's internal. And I mean, you know that regret beats us up. I'm 25 years old and I'm still not married. I'm, I'm 28 years old and I still haven't graduated college. I'm 32 and I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And how I many of the enemy heaps on shame, 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 shame. I should be further along by now. And Paul's like, no, it's good, man. I'm in prison. And I didn't choose prison. I didn't choose the prison food. But God's got me here, and I need to rethink it. 
Now, honestly, we need to thank God sometimes for the prayers that he did not answer in our life. I know, like two years ago, you're like, oh man, I found him, I found her. And then he broke up with you or she broke up with you. Now you get on Facebook, you see them two years later, and you're praising God that you did not marry that person. They are psycho. And you would be in therapy for life if you would have married them. And God's like, he didn't let you do it. So don't, listen, rethink it, rethink it, rethink it. How many of you were, grew up in a church where they had, um, we had this in our church, they had what they called praise reports and prayer requests. So like during the, the after the worship, they okay, we're gonna bring up some people for praise reports and they might have five people. I just got a praise report, you know, or, or prayer request. Um, you know, my mom's got cancer or uh, we had conflict in our family and then we'd have other people come up and those were praise reports. Remember those? Uh, and I know some people are thinking, we need to bring that back to church, the praise reports. Have people stand? No. No. Here's the reason why. I don't trust people with a microphone. We used to do that a long time ago. People just, and it's always like people that are like, I want to share, I want to share. I'm like, I ain't calling on you for sure, man. No, 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 I don't see your hand. And uh, no, I, I don't trust people. 99% of the people in the room listening to this, I don't trust you with a microphone. Um, so we're not going to ever do that ever, ever again. We might handpick some people and do a background check on you and have you write down exactly what you're going to say before you get up here. So we're not doing that. But I just, I, I started thinking about in the message, I wonder if the church at Philippi was praying for Paul to get out of prison. So they're probably, hey, we, we got, we've got to pray. We've got a night of prayer for Paul, man. He's our pastor. He's in prison. We've got to get him out. It's a prayer request. And, but I wonder if he was in prison saying, your prayer request is actually a praise report. Because what you're pr pr praying about, I, I'm praising God in the midst of because he says, because God's got me there to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what? I, I always think, I don't know if anybody thinks about this. I wonder like sometimes the bad things in my life. Um, I have a tendency to do a couple of things. I have a tendency when something bad happens in my life to think, number one, was that instigated by Satan? Was that an attack from Satan? Or was it allowed by God? And in my mind, I'm like, instigated by Satan, allowed or allowed by God. Attacked by Satan, allowed by God. Attacked by Satan. And you know what I've discovered? I don't know and I don't care anymore. Whatever happened in my life, in the sovereignty of God, he allowed, it had to go through his hands first to get to me. So why can't, listen, why can't it be both? Why can't it be an attack from the enemy that God allowed in my life? Joseph, Job, and I can mention a, a, a million other people in the Bible. Hard things, difficult things, painful things. But, but God allowed those things to build character in my life. I got to rethink some things. Not every bad thing was a bad thing. God was using it. And I want to, I want to just really caution you to when someone goes through a hard time in their life, don't be stupid like I used to be stupid when I was a rookie pastor. People come up, hey, can you pray for me? Sure. What's going on? Um, my husband just said he wants a divorce. I'd say the dumbest things. Well, sweetheart, maybe the Lord, maybe the Lord's allowing the divorce to build character in you. So I'll be praying for you. How stupid is that? People don't need a Bible verse. They don't need a lecture. They don't need a sermon when they're going through something difficult. Sometimes we don't know. We don't understand. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I don't, I don't know all the time. What, what people need when they're going through a hard time, when they're going through a severe storm, is they need somebody to love them, hug them, pray for them, support them, put their arm around them and say, man, I'm standing with you. I'm standing with you. 
Number one is, is rethink. I gotta, I gotta rethink. I gotta rethink all the difficult things I've gone through. Steve, look back and review and maybe God allowed that because he wanted to do something in your life. Rethink. Number two, results. Results, that's the second thing. Shout it out, what is it? Results, that's the second thing. Where'd you get that at? In the Bible, verse 12 and 13. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, here it is, actually served to advance the gospel. Notice in verse 13, as a, as a what? Result. As a result. You might want to write this down. I don't have to like the event to celebrate the results. Let me say it again. I don't have to like the event to celebrate the results. I'm going to be honest with you. Is it okay if I'm honest? Okay. I'm going to probably get an email or two from a teacher in our church, but I'll forward it to somebody else. I hated high school. I hated math. And I, I said that years ago to a math teacher in our church. You shouldn't say it. I'm a math. I hated math. I hated biology. I hated chemistry. I hated geometry. I pretty much, I, like, I wanted six classes of PE. That's what I wanted. I honestly, I, I mean, I liked playing basketball in high school, but pretty much everything else, I, I just hated it. Didn't like the event of high school. Loved. The graduation. Da, 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 da. I, I love that. I love, I love the graduation party that my parents had. I love the gifts that I got for being graduated. But I didn't like the event of high school. I love to travel. I like to get to my destination. I don't like everything that comes with the travel. I don't like passports and I don't like driving to LAX. Ugh. All of God's people said, TSA, some of them are nice and some of them like did you not have your coffee today? What, why, are you, why are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything. You got to take your shoes off and you sit and, you know, it's just like plain, all cramped up. And rah, 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 don't like that. But I love sitting on the beach in Waikiki looking at Diamond Head. So I don't have to like the event to celebrate the results. So I, Paul didn't like being in prison probably. Paul didn't like the prison food, but he can celebrate the results of God was doing in his life. I've ran three full marathons and three half marathons. Hated every part of it leading up to the completion of it. Hated training, hate running, and if you like running, I hate you too. <laughs> I didn't like how my body felt. Every mile I wanted to quit, but when it was over, and I got my medal, and it was an accomplishment, and I got a free massage, it was awesome. Didn't like the event, loved the results of it. I gotta be honest, my wife stepped out. Good, 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 it's safe, don't tell her. I hated every part of leading up to the wedding day. I, and I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna I want to just say to all the ladies, most men don't care. <laughs> Honey, should we get the, the, right, the red roses or the pink ones? He doesn't care. <laughs> all the men said it. He does. Now, I got to say that because there's always one guy, there's always one guy that cares, but most guys don't care. Should we sit, stand here or stand here? Who should, who, they don't care about any of that stuff. And I, I hated all that and sending out invitations and that, 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 renting the tux. Hated, hated, hated. I loved the wedding day. I loved the wedding day. I loved having my friends there, my family there, my church there. I loved the honeymoon. <laughs> I'll stop there. I'll stop there. So you don't have to like the events of it, but I can celebrate the results of it. Amen? Amen? Think about this. we have any Disneyland people you like to go to Disneyland? So, uh, we were talking about this the other night with our family and... Let me just say this about Disneyland. If you were to evaluate your trip to Disneyland on a scale of 1 to 10, but you were to evaluate it minute by minute, 
it would be 1.3. Seriously, think about it. You leave your house at six o'clock in the morning, it's gonna take you two or three hours to get to Anaheim. Ugh. Then you're gonna pull up into the parking lot and it's $732 to park your car there, right? And then if you got a family of five or six, you just drop like 10 grand. Huh? And then crying kid, like I, I know your kids are so perfect at Disneyland, but your kids like are crying the whole time and oh, cotton candy and blah, blah, blah. And then you wait in Dumbo for 90 minutes and it's two, like two minute ride and it's over. Honestly, Disneyland stinks. If you look at it minute by minute. Now, if you, but if you look at it in the whole, you look back and oh, that, was, that was awesome. We had a great, no, really? And I, I don't wanna look at my life minute by minute, but in 2020, I've said this, 2020 was awful. It was horrible, I can't wait. I've said that. And I gotta, no, Steve, stop evaluating an entire year on a couple of bad things that happened. Over the course of the last, there's been some wonderful things that have taken place. I just met you, 150 people came to life in Christ. We baptized 63 people. We were here Wednesday night, and after the worship for the, the, the youth and the young adults, there's two precious sisters in our church. They might be in the service. Just awesome girls. And uh, I'm like, oh, how did you come to the church? And she goes, well, we're Arabic, and our parents go to Arabic church, but we don't really speak the language. And we just, in a fluke, we just saw you guys online and started watching the services a year ago, March. And I said, yeah, this has been a really tough year, hasn't it? But she said, she said this, but... I would have never came, to, we would have never come to this church if it wasn't for COVID. And I talked to so many people, it's like, how long have you been, well, we started watching you online during COVID. And I'm like, COVID, I hate COVID, I hate COVID, COVID, mass, COVID, God. And it's like people are coming to church and getting saved through COVID. So stop looking at your life minute by minute. Look at it through the peaks and the mountaintops of your life. Amen. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says, Paul says, I'm in chains for Christ. Notice, I'm in chains for Christ. That seems like a very strange phrase. I'm in chains. It sounds like that God does bad stuff. I want everybody to listen to me clearly. God does not do bad stuff. God did not make you and your husband get in a divorce, you and your wife get a divorce. He didn't cause the divorce so that you would have to be raised without a father. He didn't give you COVID or give you cancer. He didn't take your loved one. We, we live in a broken world that's filled with sinful people that make choices, but God doesn't do bad stuff. But, but it sounds a little strange for Paul to say, but my chains are in Christ. But no, he's making a choice. He says, I didn't choose prison. I didn't choose the chains, but I'm gonna use the chains for his glory. Now check, check this out. A couple of things I noticed in the text. The Bible says, because of Paul's chains, the Bible says, I think in verse 14, it says, it's become apparent to the whole palace guard. Think about this. They're all non-Christians. They're all, they're all guards. And he says, like everybody in the prison sees that I'm a man of God, sees that I'm faith-filled. Now, you need to know this, notice, uh, know this in, the, in the New Testament. If you were in prison, you were actually chained to one guard on one side and one guard on the other. Now, think about this. How would, you like the apostle, how would you like to be chained to the Apostle Paul? The guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's like, hey, this morning we're going to talk about Jesus. I don't want to talk about him. No, we're, we're talking about him. And you, could, you couldn't leave. <laughs> you want to talk about a captive audience? I want to know this. Who was the real prisoner in Philippi? It wasn't Paul. It was the guards. It's like, dude, this guy doesn't shut up about Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to say just a couple things. The reason why 
I need to understand the results is because here's what, here's what I want to say. Number one, when I make a ch- choice to live a faith-filled life, the first thing it does, it impresses unbelievers. He says, it's the whole palace guard is noticing. You know what I've noticed about my neighbors? They are not impressed that I came to church today again. I didn't pull out and they're like, hey, hey, before you leave, Pastor. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Good. I just want to say, like, my wife and I are so blown away. You and your wife are like there all the time. We're so impressed. They don't care. They don't, listen, you're, they don't care that you came to church. They don't care that you worship. They don't care that you jump up and down during work. They don't care that you lift your hands. They don't care that you memorize Bible verses. They don't care how spirit-filled you are. They don't care. What impresses unbelievers is when you and I go through a difficult time and we face adversity, will we still trust God in the middle of the adversity? Here's the second thing. Not only does it impress unbelievers, it encourages believers. So it says, my brothers and sisters are more confident to preach the gospel. Man, some of the people in our church are going through some of the most difficult things. I can't even, I can't, not only do they come to church, but they worship through cancer. They worship through divorce. They worship through the loss of a child. And I just look around, I'm like, how can they be so committed to the Lord? And I'm telling you, it encourages me. Because so many people, when they go through adversity, they walk away from church, they walk away from God. And God, no, but seeing people in our church press into him and giving God thanks, and, and I'm still going after you. I'll tell you, it just encourages me and strengthens me, even as a pastor. And that's what happens. The result is it's going to impress unbelievers. It's going to encourage believers. Here's the third thing. Write this third thing down. So we got, first one is what? Rethink. Number two. Number three. Raiders. Raiders. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Response, response, response. Back to verse 17 and 18, response. Paul says, the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. This is great. Hey, Paul, um, do you know that some people are just preaching because they're trying to get a lot of Instagram followers? Do you know that, that some guys are just up there, they're not really sold out to Jesus, they're just doing it for the money? He's like, verse, he's like, what does it matter? Seriously, what? The stuff that we worry about, we're going to look back when we get to heaven and look back and go, what in the, why was I worried? One translation says, it does not matter. Okay, you're in the sermon right now. I want you to say that. It does not Say it again like you already had your cappuccino right now. Come on. Okay, so I'll say a couple things and you're going to respond with it doesn't matter. I just lost like 27 followers on Instagram. I can't believe I wasn't invited to that meeting or that party. On Facebook, I got on Facebook and there were some people that didn't agree with my political and theological views. People were talking about me at work. I couldn't believe it. I thought they liked me. I didn't make the team on my freshman baseball team. I, my life's over. No. Seriously, we're so worked up about stuff that really doesn't even matter. They're like, Paul, some people are preaching because they got wrong. He said, it doesn't matter. Why are we so bent up about the stuff that really doesn't matter? Listen, we get to heaven, it's going to be a joke about the stuff that you and I worry about. True or false? That's why you got to be very careful not to trust people. Paul's like, They're doing it for wrong reasons. I know, it doesn't matter. 
Now, this might not be in your translation, but it's in the TSV, the Taylor Swift version. <laughs> and it goes like this. Players going to play, 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 play. And haters are going to hate, 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 five, hate, hate, hate. I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off. <laughs> Taylor Swift, a new life. And how many know that haters are going to hate, 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 hate? And if, you're not, if you don't have haters, you're probably not really serving the Lord like you need to. Jesus said, ready? Jesus said, beware when all people speak well of you. I say this all the time. But if you, everybody walks out every Sunday and they're like, oh, he's amazing. I love him. No, you should be like, he tricks me off. I hate it's okay. I'm not trying to impress people. I, I promise, I'm not trying to impress people. I'm trying to preach for the audience of one. His name is Jesus. So haters are going to hate, 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 hate. I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it all. And ready for his response? Verse 18. What does it matter? The important thing is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preaching. Here is, here's my result. Here's my response. I will, because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to what? Rejoice. Now listen, look carefully. I have to define rejoice. Rejoice is not... Hallelujah, Dios la bendiga. It's not clapping during worship. It's not lifting your hands during, that's not rejoice. Because I mean, you, know, you can do all the external things that inside you're ticked off and mad and unthankful. No, rejoice is the decision that Paul made in prison. He's like, I don't know if I'm getting, hey, Paul, you getting out? We're not really sure. I'm going to give God praise anyhow. Hey, Paul, did you get good news about they're overturning the case? I don't know, but I'm going to rejoice and I'll continue to rejoice. Hey, hey, Paul, did, did you get like, 30 days, 60 days, I, I, don't, I have no idea, but here's my choice. Here's my response. I will rejoice and I'll continue to rejoice. It doesn't matter what you do to me. I'm going to be a thankful and a grateful person. Check this out. You might want to write this down. You might want to tweet this. Ready for this? Your chains will break your praise or your praise will break your chains. Your chains will break your praise. Your addiction will break your praise. Your complaining will break your praise. Your murmuring will break your praise. Or your praise will break the chains off of your life. So how about this? Why don't we give God praise right now? Why don't we give God thanks right now? Not after the fact, but in the middle of the fact. Come on. Would somebody stand on their feet? Let's give God some praise. I'm not waiting till after. I'm going to praise God in the middle of my mess. Come on, it's, it's easy. It's easy when you get the job to give God praise. It's easy when, when, the, when the diagnosis comes back, you're all good. It's easy to give God praise then. It's easy to give God praise at the wedding. When you have the child, I'm talking about, can you give God praise through the divorce? Can you give God praise through the sickness? I want to end with this. I'm going to invite everybody to stand to your feet. True story. Um, this a farmer had a mule, and the mule was like 800 years old. I don't know. It's really old. And on his last couple days. And the mule fell into a ditch. And the farmer tried to pull his mule out of the ditch and couldn't do it. Got recruited some other farmers to come. And there's like four or five guys that couldn't do it. So they just decided that mule only has a couple more days, so let's just bury him. So they just got shovels and threw the dirt on the mule. True story. Every time they threw dirt on the mule, he just he shook it off, and then he stepped up. 
They threw more dirt, he shook it off and stepped up. They threw more dirt on it, shook it off and stepped up. Shook it off and stepped up. Shook it off and stepped up. And the dirt, which was intended to bury the mule, became a platform to get him out of his mess. I think we need, I think we need this morning, we need to shake some stuff off and step up. Shake it off and step up. Hey, shake off your addiction. Shake off the opinions that people have about you. Shake off your insecurity. Shake off of your fear and step up. Come on, shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. Hallelujah. You gotta shake it off. People talking bad about you, shake it off. The adversity, the situation, what has happened to you? You gotta shake it off. All right, I've never done this in 30 years. Well, I've done it one time, I did it in the first service. I want everybody in the room, if you're at home, you might wanna do this in your living room or something. I want you to turn 180 degrees. Hold on, hold on. Some people are frozen like 180, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Some of you are just like paralyzed, like looking at you like. I'm gonna help you. Everybody turn to the back of the room and look at our production team right there. Come on, look at the production team. In fact, put your hands together and thank our production team. Stare at the back of the room there. No, you shouldn't be talking to anybody. No. You know, the enemy wants to keep you imprisoned in your past. What happened to you? What happened to you? What ha it wasn't fair. And it wasn't fair. And it wasn't right. And it was painful. And it was hurtful. And it was all those things. But Paul said, what has happened to me has actually turned out to further the gospel. I'm gonna ask nobody to be talking to anybody next to you. I believe the Spirit of God is in this place to set some people free. What has happened to you? I just wanna say this, you'll never move forward. So if the stage here and the pulpit here is kind of a symbol of abundant life that Jesus has for us, you'll never, I'll never move forward and grow in my walk with the Lord if I keep focusing on what has happened. With all sensitivity, what has happened has happened. You can't change it. Now I want you to turn, everybody turn to the right 90 degrees. Excellent. So I can't look back. I can't look back. Paul said, looking forward to those things that are ahead. Pressing forward. I need to stop looking back. And then now almost everybody in the room is looking at the back of someone. And I can't look at people either. 
You know, one of the things about social media is you get on Facebook and Instagram and it just appears like everybody's life is so phenomenal. Their kids are so well behaved and they got the perfect job and they're always on vacation and we're always comparing ourselves to other people. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 10, it's unwise to compare yourself. So I got to stop looking back and I got to stop looking at other people and their life and what they have and what I don't have and comparing. And now I want you to face the stage here. This is the abundant life. What has happened, listen, what has happened has happened. And I, please, I do not want to minimize any pain in the room. I was blown away as a pastor early on. The church is probably three years old. How many ladies came into my office and told me that they were sexually abused? What had happened, it, it happened, and I'm sorry that it happened. It wasn't right. Maybe a little girl, a little boy in our church that was taken advantage of by a father, an uncle, or it's wicked, it's demonic, it's wrong. And even as I look out upon this crowd, there's tears and eyes because some of you were taken advantage of. But I just feel like the Spirit of God saying this, this service is a turnaround. He said, Paul says, what happened to me actually happened. It was a turnaround to advance the gospel. The divorce, you tried to do everything to reconcile your marriage. But they made a choice, he made a choice, she made a choice. You can't do anything about the abortion that you had. It's under the blood of Jesus. And that enemy just wants to bring up shame. What happened, happened your second marriage, your third marriage, it happened. And you can't change what happened. But God can turn around your situation today. He didn't cause it. For whatever reason in his sovereignty, he allowed it to get to you. But listen, he wants you to rethink what you went through. I was telling the first service, what, what better person? Like, I, I met a guy after the first service and my, he said, I want to introduce myself because I used to be a drug addict and now I'm, I work for the county of Ventura and I help people that are caught in drugs. What, what better person? Somebody that was an addict to help people that were in an addiction. What better person? Someone, some lady in our church that had an abortion that now could step out and minister to women that are considering doing the same thing. What, what better person that walked through a divorce that can help somebody in our church that's walking through a divorce? So I gotta I got rethink everything negative that's happened in my life. It was for a purpose. What happened, happened. But today is a turnaround. By the Spirit of God, I just declare a turnaround. Just like you physically turned around. In the Spirit, there's a turnaround in the name of Jesus. Shake it off and step up. 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 Give God your best praise right now, would you? Thank you, Lord. Hey, I'm Steve Abraham, the pastor of New Life Oxnard. Thank you for watching our YouTube channel. You can join us live every Sunday for a new sermon and live worship. Also, be sure to take a minute to subscribe and turn on your post notifications so you don't miss any of our new videos or live streams. And please share with a friend. And if you would like to partner with us in furthering the gospel, please click the link below. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for watching and God bless you.